0: You have to be the person that's intentional enough to say sometimes like, hey, here's the deal. I just feel like I'm getting kind of a front from you right now. And I feel like you're kind of feeling a little bit uptight and feeling like you have to show me that you've got it all figured out. What's actually going on? That takes an incredibly intentional leader to be able to do that. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, it was in the last content episode that we talked about a topic that is really important. That topic was the idea that great leaders are great coaches. And the way that we set that topic up is we asked the question, what do leaders do? And at a very, very high level, we said that leaders unleash the best in others. And it's in that pursuit of unleashing the best of others that leaders leverage a wide variety of principles and practices and tactics and tools and approaches. And it's using all of those different practices and principles that we detail in many episodes on this podcast – that leaders need to recognize that they have many different hats that they need to wear. Yes, they need to wear the hat of vision caster. Sometimes they need to wear the hat of manager, sometimes mediator, sometimes facilitator, sometimes the CEO hat, sometimes even the mom or dad hat. But there are certain occasions and certain times where the leader needs to wear the hat of coach, And one of the things that we said in the previous episode is the fact that if you are going to be a great leader, you need to learn how to be a great coach. And that just by being a business owner, that doesn't necessarily make you into someone that is automatically a great coach. This is a skill that just like any other skill has to be learned and developed and refined. But what's so cool is that coaching is often the hat that we get to wear whenever we get to be most intimately engaged in the work of unleashing the best in others. Because yes, um, so much of the world today glorifies and sometimes even idolizes the role of vision caster, right? And you're that person on the stage saying, we're gonna go take that hill or take that mountain. And certainly that inspirational quality is a necessary quality in leaders. But I'll tell you what I've seen in my life and in the lives of the people that I work with, and also in the lives of the leaders that I work with investing in their people, is that the greatest transformation often doesn't come from the vision conversations. It comes from the coaching conversations. And what's so cool is that this is truly baked into our business model. I mean, at its core, we are a coaching organization. And I kind of cringe whenever I say that a little bit, just because there's so much coaching out there that is total crap because it's people that just want to be paid to give advice. And that's not what actual coaching is. And, And so we're kind of on this mission to reframe and revitalize the coaching world by making sure that it's actually done in a proper way. And so, no, you're... If you're a coach, you're not this person that's standing high on a hill that everyone bows before to get your incredible advice that's all-knowing and all-seeing and all-perfect, right? No, you are the type of person that gets to invest in people to such a degree that you help them uncover the truths that are already inside of them socrates says that learning is remembering right and and i think that that's so true the greatest learning is often not the new concepts that come from outside of you but rather the deep deep deeply old concepts that come from inside of you and so it's in that context that we're going to walk you through one of the trainings that we take our coaches through and it's the five qualities of effective coaching. And this is really, really kind of fundamental content for us uh, as a business, because we truly, after every coaching conversation, we red, yellow, green, how the coach did in these arenas. So these are the qualities that we are constantly looking back to. And I evaluate myself after coaching conversations and our team does this as well. How did we do in these five areas? Now, of course, are there other areas that great coaches succeed often? Of course there are. Yes. Yes. But these are the five areas that we are focused on. And these are the five areas that what I've seen often have the ability to create the greatest return for your people. And so what I want to tell you is that if you want to be a great leader, you need to be a great coach. And if you want to be a great coach, a great place to start is by focusing on refining these five qualities. And now there's a difference between refining and revolutionizing, right? I I'm not going to tell you anything probably today that you're not already doing. I'm just going to ask you to amplify it by doing it with a higher degree of intentionality. And that's really, really important to know because I don't want you to turn your life upside down or do this stuff. I just want you to make small tweaks. And I just want you to get a little bit better. And I just want you to apply yourself not to acts of extravagancy, but rather acts of consistency. And so the five qualities of effective coaching that we already laid out in the previous episode were relational, relational, curious, assertive, directional, and principle-based. And today we're going to focus on the topic of relational. And this is kind of all related to that quote that we've all heard before that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I think sometimes we hear that and we quickly move on because we say, oh yeah, I've heard that quote before. I'm moving on. But think about this for a second. You can't take people anywhere until you give them proof beyond a reasonable doubt that you care. That's a pretty bold idea, right? Proof beyond a reasonable doubt. You have to show them, you have to convince them, you have to persuade them that you deeply and profoundly care. Now, uh, and sadly... There's some of this in our industry. There is a path towards doing this when it's not actually true, right? You can convince people that you care whenever you don't actually care. <laughs> I just think there's a word for that and it's called stupid. <laughs> it's dumb. Because, I mean, honestly, the most efficient and effective way to convince people that you care is to actually care. What a novel idea. And so, If you are going to coach anyone, you have to start from the posture of, I care about this person. And it's in the context of caring about someone that we then start by investing in relationship. Listen to me real quick. Effective leadership demands relationship. I'm going to say it again. Effective leadership demands relationship. And so you need to be a person that prioritizes people. You need to be a person that refuses to sacrifice relationship on the altar of results, right? Because sometimes we get so focused on the business of what we need to be doing that we stop focusing on the person that is a human being, And I'm not saying we need to have some kumbaya circle and we're going to get into more of the assertive and directional nature of coaching here in a a few episodes, but man, you've got to be a person that deeply cares about them as a person, but not only do you just need to care about them as a person, you need to show them that you care, right? So we could even reframe that quote and say, people don't care what you know, not until they know that you care. People don't care what you know until you show that you care. And so why does this matter in the context of coaching conversations specifically? Well, coaching conversations, if they're effective, are often incredibly real and incredibly vulnerable and incredibly challenging, right? Because I have a coach. I don't get on the phone with my coach once a month to tell him about all the things that I'm doing awesome. (laughs) Right. I, I mean, why would I, why would I pay for that? Right. And certainly if people are coming to you and if if there are people on your team that are trusting you as a leader to play the role of coach, well, then when they're coming to this conversation, hopefully their expectations are correct in that we're not just going to talk about all the things that we're doing awesome, right. By nature, I'm coming to a coach to talk about the things that are tough, that are challenging, that are imperfect, that I'm struggling with, that I'm tempted by, that I'm thinking about, that I'm wrestling with. And a lot of times for people, and I'll tell you, I experience this, that can be really, really challenging, right? To open up and be vulnerable, especially if they're a high achieving personality type, because they like to look like they've got their act together. And it's a really vulnerable position to admit to someone man, I think this is an area where I don't have my act together and I don't have it all figured out. And man, I'll tell you, you can see it because, I mean, I've, I've gotten to do this for a while now. And, and I, I think I can see it in others because I know it in myself is, you know, when someone feels like every conversation they go into, they have to appear as though they've got it figured out right? And not necessarily like they have all the answers, right? Because I think most of us put up the facade of like, okay, well, we know we don't have all the answers. But more than that, it's like, man, I just want to give off this impression that I'm really on top of things. And what sometimes that can create is this very, very tense personality type, especially whenever, man, you, you feel the expectation, the responsibility of looking like you're on top of everything whenever that's not actually true. And there's sometimes in everyone's life where that's not actually true. And it's crazy how when, if you start to build a relationship with people as a coach that is trustworthy and caring, they start to open up for the first time and they start to look like someone that doesn't have it all figured out. And it's amazing. You can watch it in people's eyes. I've seen this so many times and I've seen it myself too. But if you really watch people, man, when they're sharing stuff with you that you can tell, man, they don't share this with many people, they they are reading you they are watching and they're they're looking at you to see, can I trust this person? Is this actually okay? Are they gonna do anything that ruins this relationship? Or is there anything, even if they've showed me they care up to this point, is this actually real? Because sometimes if you are actually coaching people effectively, people will tell you things that they haven't told anyone else. I mean, that's happened to me before, right? And and when they share that with you, they're trying to see, okay, I've trusted you up to this point, but can I still trust you? And it's in that moment that, that your coaching demands your character. And really, what is all real relationship built on but character? And so I will tell you, kind of as a thesis for all of this, you need to be the type of person that people can trust. That goes way beyond just some tools and tactics and some questions you can ask and some things you can do to build a relationship. Start living like a person that people can actually trust with information that matters. Start being the type of person that you would want to talk to when things aren't all figured out. Because if you start living that way, well, then people are going to notice that. And there is so much more power in the way that you live than the things that you say. And so if you want to be that type of confidant for people, if you want to be that type of supporter for people, if you want to be that type of person that can build relationship with people and engage in these coaching conversations that can be incredibly vulnerable, but also as a result, outrageously transformative, well, then you've got to start to become the type of person that is incredibly trustworthy. Because people won't go to the place of vulnerability. People won't show you what they don't have figured out. People won't uh, kind of expose their imperfections if they think two things, if they think you don't care. And you may care, but if they think you don't, what you actually are doesn't matter, right? Because their perspective is what matters to them opening up. So they need to think that you care and, and because you actually care. And then number two, you can't be trusted. And so trust is built with consistency, and so everything that we talk about today in the context of this relational episode, you, you need to remember, it's not just like, okay, well, I'm going to do this once. And then because I do this once, I can have a really, really effective, deep, intentional coaching conversation with someone that helps unleash their best and bring the best out of them uh, so that they can move forward and transform and grow. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way, right? It's it's not because you did something occasionally. It's because you did something consistently. It's not because of the extravagant thing you did once. It's because of the little micro things that you did every single day that people start to pick up on. And they may not have even seen it, right? They might not have even seen your morning routine. They might not have even seen your habits. They might not have even seen the little things that you do in the background. But you know what they do see? They see the type of person that that makes you into, And man, I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I don't have any data to support this or anything like that, but there's just sometimes where I think I can tell when someone has a pretty centered morning routine where they get themselves aligned with truth and they make sure they're focused on serving others throughout the day. Like I can tell. And, and it's, it's not because I asked them. It's not because they told me. It's just like, I can tell when I have a meeting with that person in the morning, it's like they've, they've got their act together and, and they're focused and they're moving forward and and they're focused not on just consuming in the morning, but they enter into the day and focused on contributing. And so, no, they didn't have to give me a lecture on their morning routine. They started to act like the person that started their day right. And I started to feel the benefits of that. And therefore, I trust them. And so, no, I'm not telling you, you need to tell everyone all of your habits. What I'm telling you is you need to be the person that has some habits because that will transform you. And that ties in directly to one of our core values at Path for Growth, which is alignment. If you're going to be a coach, and especially if you're going to build a relationship, you better not just give a message. You better live the message, right? And and that is a standard that... I'm very grateful for that we've established from the beginning and I'm very grateful for it for developing others, but I'm also really grateful for it for me is we hold ourselves relentlessly accountable to a standard of like, we do not just teach these principles. We live these principles and we do not talk about things that we are not actively acting out because I just, I, I kind of get ticked off when you've got these these different organizations that are offering people advice that they've never enacted before or seen others enact before or been exposed to at all that they simply read it in a book. And, and, I just think that that can be a dangerous situation because something different happens whenever you're actually doing the thing. Experiential learning is this powerful type of learning where you get to see the principles play out and you don't just get acquainted with the ideal that you often find in a book, you get acquainted with the imperfect reality. And I think that that's really, really important to remember. So it's in that context with regard to coaching that we are going to be relational that we're going to build up trust. And what I want to focus on in this episode is six characteristics that you can focus on to start being a relational coach and a relational leader. And so I'll walk you through them high level, and then we're going to walk through them one at a time. And there's going to be one of these specifically uh, that we focus on kind of more in depth than the other five. Uh, Number one is holistic. Number two is context-sensitive. Number three is intentional. Number four is characterized by commitment to listening. Uh, Number five is empathetic. And number six is fun. Um, So holistic, context-sensitive, intentional, committed to listening, empathetic, and fun. Uh, And so we're going to walk through all these. And like I kind of already alluded to, we're going to spend just a little bit more time on the topic of listening, just because I think that is the one that is probably most important, but often most overlooked. So the first thing, if you want to be a relational coach is that, that your coaching and your conversations and your leadership, it needs to be holistic. And what does that mean? Well, it means that if if you're coaching someone on your team, right? And if you're having a one-on-one conversation with them, that you're focused on developing them and bringing out the best in them. You're not just focused on making them a better worker. And that's really, really important because some of us, the only hat that we've ever put on within our organizations is the hat where we make people better workers. And that's a good hat, It's a great hat. And and certainly work is a pretty big part of people's life. So uh, if you're a good leader, you're making people better at their job. Here's what's important though. Good leaders make people better at their job. Great leaders make people better at their life. If you're going to be great at what you do and specifically if you're going to be great in the context of coaching conversations, you're not just trying to unleash the best possible worker that is inside someone, you're trying to unleash the best possible person that's inside of someone. And that's the man or woman that they were created to be. That's the husband or wife that they were created to be. That's the father or mother that they were created to be. That's the thinker that they were created to be. That's the the uh, healthy body that they were created to be. That's the financially responsible person that they were created to be, right? And and obviously you need to be discerning in what areas they trust you with and, and what areas you can actually speak into, right? Don't be the person that's outrageously overweighted unhealthy that's giving people advice on how to be more healthy that's not really helpful and you can even just admit like hey i'm not really in a position where i'm going to be really effective coaching in that area but man maybe you're someone that got out of debt and you're now in a financially really good position and this person's saying i you know i I, am i'm doing okay in work but one of the things that's really stressing me out is my personal finances yes you can step into that as coach because you've earned the ability to do so And so just remember, if you're going to invest in relationship, you're caring about the whole person. It's holistic. And you're not just caring about them as a worker. And that's really important. Okay, the second thing is kind of related, because the second characteristic of relational coaching conversations is that it's context sensitive. So this is going to relate kind of to the next quality as well. But one of the things that we talk about a lot is that good coaches give answers to people. Great coaches extract answers from people. And they always have the conversation with the greatest understanding of the context that they can possibly achieve. It's one of the things that we've actually kind of developed a culture of within our membership. That it's, I mean, this is honestly one of the things that I'm most excited about is we have office hours calls where um, a a coach facilitates the conversation, but leaders from all over the country, all industries, all stages, anyone that's part of the Path for Growth membership get to show up and just come with the challenges, the opportunities, the decisions that they're making and just work through them with other leaders. And one of the things that we really need for this call to be successful, and we really want for this call to be successful, is not, it's not, uh, okay, I'm facilitating the call. So it's, 10 people that are showing up to office hours asking Alex questions. That's just boring, right? No one wants to do that. And also, like, uh, some of these people have way more experience than me owning a business. So why would I be the only one answering the questions? So what really makes these calls thrilling, like, they're I mean, they can honestly be incredibly exciting, is when everyone is playing a role in unleashing the best in the person that came with the question or the challenge or the opportunity. And, uh, one of the things that has to occur for that to occur is everyone on the call needs to assume the role of coach on these office hours calls. And so what does coaching look like in that scenario? Well, someone shows up with a question and they just give the basic outline. I'm struggling with a team member that has a bad attitude and I don't know what to do. Okay, Great. What's so cool is that we've kind of transitioned the culture of the organization that it used to be everyone responds with their immediate answer. And everyone says, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And what's so cool is there's been transformation that has occurred. And we've had lots of really good conversations about this. And we've been really, really focusing on this. And we've been trying to model this. And we've been trying to encourage and reward this behavior. And people are starting to do it where instead of someone asks a question and immediately everyone gives a bunch of answers, now someone asks a question and immediately people are piling on with a bunch of questions. Right? Because have you ever been that person that, like, you ask for advice or you ask about a certain thing that's going on, and then someone gives you. Because have you ever been that person that maybe shows up with a question or something that you're focused on and then someone immediately jumps to advice mode and assertion mode and they completely don't understand what's actually going on and they spend five minutes telling you all these things that are founded on incorrect assumptions. And so you're basically like, oh, I I really appreciate your idea, but there's actually a reason why none of that applies to what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, it's kind of frustrating when that happens, but I've been that person. And so, what we need to make sure is that we're fully understanding the context, right? That we're playing a role in the relationship of saying, "Man, I don't fully know your world like you do. You, you are the expert on your world. You are the expert on your business. You are the expert on your career, on your marriage, on your family. And so, I need to ask a bunch of great questions so that I can be context sensitive, and so that the way that we move throughout this conversation, I start to understand where your coming from. That's what it means to be context sensitive is I've got a picture of what's actually going on in their world. I don't just have the question that I immediately answer with advice, right? That's the thing that separates you as a coach from Google, right? A lot of these answers can be found on Google, but Google doesn't have the person's context and Google isn't going to ask them questions about all the things going on in their life surrounding the actual thing. And so separate yourself from Google, distinguish yourself from Google, be the type of person that can ask that can offer the most, uh, relevant and profitable and helpful and specific direction because you actually understand the person's context. Now there's another piece to this whole context thing that is really relevant to the idea of being a relational coach as well. And that's that it's like, man, y- it would probably be helpful to know when people's birthdays are. And it would probably be helpful to know when people's anniversaries are. And it would probably be helpful to know some of the things that are going on with their family to the degree that you're able to, right? I'm not telling you you need to be enmeshed with everything that's going on in this person's life. But man, if you're going to be in ongoing coaching conversations with people, it would probably be a good thing for you to not every single time have to ask what their kids' names are. (laughs) You get what I'm saying here though, because it's part of building trust, right? And we said that, man people will start to trust you more if they know that you have their context. And really, this is somewhere where you can start to really add value to people as a coach when they don't even necessarily realize it, is coaching conversations should be valuable in the first one. But more than that, the compounding value of coaching conversations comes like after the sixth one. And the reason why it comes after the sixth one is because you will start to be a person that has the other person's context. And I feel this way with my coach. I I talk to him once a month and I've known him for years now. And what's so helpful for me and I, and I tell him this all the time. This is where I realize this principle is that when stuff happens in my life and when stuff happens in my business and when stuff happens in my leadership and in my relationships, I don't have to explain the entire background of where I've been so that he can give me proper and relevant direction because I've been walking with him. And we've been walking together and he knows me and I know him and he's got my context and he knows some of my tendencies. He knows some of my struggles. He knows some of my strengths. He's seen me do good things. He's seen me do bad things. He's seen me fail and he's seen me succeed. And he has all of that context in his head. And I'll tell you sometimes he'll reference it and that is so valuable, but even more than just referencing it, I can't tell you how helpful it is for me to know that he has that context and that he's looking through that lens whenever he's advising me. But he did a really good job of getting that context from me over the course of several meetings. And so what we need to make sure is we're constantly adding to the context bucket of we're constantly building our understanding of what makes this person tick and what what is this person's weaknesses and what are these persons limiting beliefs and what what is this person's relational background and how is this person's family dynamic and how does this person view themselves as a leader? All of that is incredible context that is valuable in the first conversation, but the compounding the value of it, if you can refer back to it is unbelievable. So you got to be context sensitive. Number one is coaching conversations are holistic. Uh, Number two, coaching conversations are uh, context sensitive. Number three, they're going to be intentional. And and so this is really important. And this may be specific to path for growth. But one of the things that we teach our coaches is man, man, people pay us to coach them right which is different in your organization you're probably coaching maybe some uh, young people in your community or maybe you're mentoring some people or maybe you've got some people on your team that you're saying hey I want to develop you as a leader and we're going to we're going to enter into some coaching conversations when I enter into a coaching conversation with someone i am taking responsibility for driving and this is what we tell our coaches is like man you are showing up with an agenda you are showing up with a plan and of course it should be informed by what they need to focus on what they want what like what they're driving for but man you are responsible as the coach for taking the conversation from here to there right you are responsible as a coach for defining some objectives and then getting their buy-in on those objectives as being the right objectives And and so you need to be someone that is confident enough and bold enough to drive and lead a conversation. The other area where this characteristic of intentionality really, really plays out with regard to relational coaching is lots of conversations will not haphazardly drift into being meaningful and past surface level right? Because it's really uncomfortable to get into topics that are meaningful and past surface level and vulnerable, right? And so it doesn't happen haphazardly. It doesn't happen accidentally. So how does it happen? It happens intentionally. And so we all need deep, substantial, well-rounded past surface level conversations with our coaches. And who's responsible for making that happen? Well, we both have a role to play, but I believe the person responsible for driving is the coach. And I'll tell you, there are people that will disagree with me and and that's fine. <laughs> They're just what I believe to be known as wrong, right? It's like, I just think that if someone is signing up to have you develop them, then you've got to be the one with the confidence and the boldness to say, okay, well, I'm going to take us places that you may not have been before. And of course, you need to do that with great discretion and great discernment and great human and emotional intelligence. But come on, get in the driver's seat. Take people somewhere, be intentional. And so no, don't, don't, uh, it drives me crazy when people get into coaching conversations, especially when they're paying for it, and people just sit around and talk about the weather for 20 minutes. Why are we talking about the weather? Like, you. <laughs> They're not paying you to talk about the weather. They're not paying you to talk about the baseball game last night. They're paying you to move forward if, if this is a coaching conversation. And, and if you're a leader that is developing someone and someone is sitting down with you for 90 minutes and you've kind of said, okay, I'm going to play the role of coach for you and I'm going to be developing you as a leader. Don't talk about the weather for 10 minutes. Say, okay, I, like there's a lot we could talk about, but I just want to get right into it and start getting right into it listen, a lot of the reason why people don't go past surface level is because they don't have the confidence to go there. And, and uh, that is just true sometimes. And that's an incredible thing that you can help develop people in. But sometimes if they are going to get past surface level for the first time, they need to borrow some of your confidence. And so you have to have the confidence to go there. You have to have the confidence to ask the bold question that you know is on their mind, that you know they're thinking about in the back of their head, that you know that they desperately want to talk about, but they're afraid it's not okay. You have to be the person that's intentional enough to say sometimes like, hey, here's the deal. I just feel like I'm getting kind of a front from you right now. And I feel like you're kind of feeling a little bit uptight and feeling like you have to show me that you've got it all figured out. What's actually going on? That takes an incredibly intentional leader to be able to do that. But man, that is one of the qualities of relational coaching is intentionality. So we said it's going to be holistic. We said it's going to be context sensitive. We said it's going to be intentional. And then the next one is it's going to be characterized by a commitment to listening. This is really important. So great leaders are great communicators And if you want to be an effective communicator, you need to be an intentional listener. And so your coaching should not be characterized by your talking. It should be characterized by your listening. And really what I'm trying to say there is that your coaching is less about the words that you say and more about the words that you hear. And it's crazy how much people can reveal about the best that's inside them that's possible if you will just listen to it. And so, how do we listen? and And I really want to jump into something that I wrote a while back. This is uh, there's a whole section in our healthy communication team training that we teach to teams whenever we go on site with them, uh, where we talk about how to practice intentional listening. And so I want to run through some of those tactics. And this is just a section of this whole curriculum on intentional listening and intentional communication. But I thought it would be helpful to walk through these tactics for intentional listening, because this is something that we often don't focus on. So we're going to park on this one for just a little bit. And I want to run through some of these tactics. Uh, Tactic one, nonverbal affirmation. Especially, I mean, if you're remote, recognize that when you're on Zoom and you're just sitting still and you've got a straight face, people just assume that you hate them. <laughs> I call this resting Zoom face, right? Because have you ever felt this? Like it's like you're on Zoom and the person's just staring at you and and uh, and they're not moving and and you're like, this person hates my guts right now. No, they don't. They don't hate your guts. It's just that's just kind of what they look like when they're listening. And and I would tell you, if you want to help people open up as a coach, don't be that person, right? Be the person that nods your head, be the person that smiles, be the person that non-verbally acknowledges what people are saying. But the the principle here is so crucial. You don't have to open your mouth to communicate, right? You can communicate, you can affirm, you can reward, you can uh, question without even ever opening your mouth. Because I'll tell you, people are watching you especially when they open up about things that are new and foreign and uncertain to them, they are watching you. And man, if you non-verbally either affirm or question or tilt your head a little bit and say, like, what do you mean by that? That is equivalent to asking a question and getting them to go deeper. And so if you're in person with someone, if you're on Zoom with someone, practice healthy nonverbal affirmation. Nod your head, tilt your head, smile. Now, don't be an idiot about it, right? Don't be a bobblehead, right? But be smart and think about it, right? We're talking about doing intentionally what we often do accidentally. That's all we're talking about here. The next one is verbal affirmation. And the idea here is that you don't always have to have a full thought to make someone feel heard. I mean, you can way overdo this. I almost didn't talk about this because you can way overdo this. Have you ever, sometimes in, uh, uh, I've noticed it's a lot of the time in Christian circles where where people way overdo this, right? Have you ever listened to that person? Sometimes you'll listen to a Christian podcast and for whatever reason, there's two people on the podcast and, and the person that's listening, all they do is yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, yes, yes. It's like, oh my gosh, be quiet, right? Like, like you don't have to verbally affirm everything. But occasionally, when appropriate, properly timed, intentionally used, verbal affirmation can be a useful tool to help someone open up and therefore build a relationship. So nonverbal affirmation, verbal affirmation, specific questions. Listen to me real quick, and we're going to talk about this way more in the Curious episode that will be uh, next week. The quality of the answers you get reflects the quality of the questions you ask. Ask bad questions, get bad answers. And so if the conversation isn't going where you want it to go as a leader and as a coach, you need to first evaluate the quality of your questions. And what we're looking for is specificity because specific questions yield specific answers. What's a great example of this? Ask someone, how are you doing today? Or what's going on in your world today? Broad question. What are you going to get? Your broad answer. Oh, I'm doing good. Ask people, what have been the three best parts of your day up to this point? You're going to get a specific answer. And it's crazy. There's a whole teaching we can do on this just related to the idea that creativity often occurs in the presence of constraints right? So the greatest creativity, and this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's worthwhile and I really want to talk about it. So let's just go for it, right? The greatest creativity isn't just born out of this place of just completely uncertain and spontaneous freedom. The greatest creativity occurs whenever you set some constraints, like a time limit or a resource limit. And it's like, we have to start getting creative about how we're going to solve this problem. Okay. So how does that apply to this topic of specific questions? Well, a question is a constraint because we have a whole person's day to work with and it's not very constrained to say, how was your day? But whenever we constrain their focus, their attention, their, their deliberation and their thought to what was the best part of your day, we're becoming more specific, we're becoming more focused, we're becoming more constrained. And therefore we're granting them the opportunity to be way more creative. Way more creative than just, oh, my day's good. What was the best part of your day? Oh, man, you got to hear about this, right? They're becoming more creative. We have elicited creativity out of them because we've applied the proper constraint in the form of a question. So effective listening asks specific questions and then listens to the answers. What else does it do? Well, paraphrasing what does what paraphrasing look like well we'll have people all the time come into coaching conversations and they're running 90 to nothing and they'll say something like oh man i just I, i'm just a little bit stressed out right now because there's just a lot going on and we've got these two team members that one of them their attitude's bad and one of them their attitude is pretty good but their performance is a little bit off but there was one thing that they did that their attitude was a little bit bad and in the midst of all that there's kind of some of these cultural issues that i'm starting to wonder if i'm not communicating about the values enough and then in addition to communicating about the values well it's like well we've got a couple of Meeting scheduled. And I'm starting to feel a little bit worried about uh, getting the meeting scheduled to actually communicate about the right things. And I'm just kind of wondering if the values that we're communicating about are actually our core values, or are they more aspirational values? And I'm starting to think about what's going on there. And is that related to the person that has the culture issues? And then within all of that, like, I'm just starting to kind of wonder about the direction of our team as a whole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean like truly that is not that far off it may be a little bit exaggerated but it's not that far off with what people show up with sometimes and that's not bad i never get disappointed or frustrated why because i do that with my counselor and my coach all the time right i just show up and i just unload i just every thought that's in my head I I just unload it. So how do you serve people in that situation? Well, you listen for the threads that seem to be most important. And this is a practice. This is a skill. But what's so cool is you can practice this everywhere you go. You can practice this in an Uber. But paraphrasing, what paraphrasing does is it always starts with, what I'm hearing you say is. And so in that context, what I would say is, okay, what I'm hearing you say is, That there's some cultural issues on your team and you're starting to question whether it's a hiring issue because you've got the wrong people or if it's a communication issue because you're not talking about the values enough. And a lot of the time they'll be like, oh my gosh, yes. You just said in one minute what I took five minutes to say, right? And they'll just be relieved. And, and then sometimes they'll even apologize. And, and you got to tell them like, no, don't don't apologize. That, that's literally why I'm here. That's what coaches do, right? And that's why, like, that's why we're in this relationship. And so you affirm the relationship in that moment. Or at the very least, they'll say, no, that's not actually the question I'm asking. But what I am asking is this. And either is helpful. So that's where paraphrasing can be really helpful. We're going to run through uh, two more tactics of listening, and then we'll jump back to the, the characteristics of of relational coaching. The next one is mirroring. If you really want to learn about this, then I would recommend reading Chris Voss's book, Never Split the Difference. But effective mirroring, especially with regard to language, just shows that you don't always have to ask another question to move the conversation forward you just need to affirm the answer that they're giving to get them to go deeper i learned this with podcasting originally just the idea that the best answers are often three answers deep right so you ask a question and someone gives you the base level answer and specifically if you're interviewing an author or something like that on a podcast it's like they're going to give you their scripted answer. And so you don't just want to move from that question on to another question because all you got was the scripted answer, the one that they had pre-prepared and people operate this way too, because it's the path of least resistance. So what do you do? Well, you mirror them to get them to go deeper. You don't just like expect that they're going to go to the greatest depth initially on their own and proactively. Some people do that, but it's rare. And so how do you mirror people? Well, people say something to the effect of like oh i've got this team member that i'm really concerned about you're really concerned about yeah he just he really struggles with showing up on time and i think it's reflective of something bigger reflective of something bigger yeah i'm just starting to be concerned about some of the decisions that he's making in his personal life and and some of the things that are going on there personal life Yeah, I mean, he had a history of drug abuse and I think he's clean now, but there's just starting to be some red flags that are really starting to show up. Red flags? Yeah, well, I guess in addition to being late a lot of the times, he's gotten back kind of with the same crew that he was hanging out with. And I know that because I saw him the other day and he didn't know that I saw him. And it's just starting to get really, really concerning that he's hanging out with them. You see what I'm talking about there? You can get so much deeper if you just mirror people. There wasn't an original question asked in that entire exchange of me and myself, but you get what I'm doing here, right? Now, you're, if you just play that back, you're going be like, Alex is a lunatic. He literally just did a podcast with himself. But you see what I'm doing here, right? You just say a couple of words from what they just said with a curious tone, and you get them moving, right, and you get them to keep talking. It's crazy how people will open up if you just do this. I mean, I could tell you stories for days about how I've gotten into Uber rides and done this and people have told me some crazy, crazy stories. We'll, we'll talk about that more sometime. Okay, and then the final one is labeling. So labeling is anytime someone says an emotion or, or a concept or word that is emotionally l- laden, you need to label it. So when they say, I'm just really afraid about what's going on right now, you, you're really afraid? What do you mean by that? Always zero in on the emotion because the emotion is where the power is. I'm just so excited about what's going on in our business right now. Okay, so why, why excited, right? That's what you want to ask. You want to label the emotion because there's always power in the emotion. Okay. So I told you we were going to park a little bit longer on that. And the reason why that is, is because I think the greatest blocker to us being relational in conversation and specifically in coaching conversations is our unwillingness and inability to listen. And sometimes that's because of a pride or arrogance thing, but a lot of times it's just because we don't know how. And so how do you listen? Nonverbal affirmation, verbal affirmation, specific questions, paraphrasing, mirroring, and labeling. Okay. Let's shift back to relational conversations we said that they're going to be holistic they're going to be context sensitive they're going to be intentional they're going to be characterized by a commitment to listening next they're going to be empathetic and man you can make up a lot of ground by just effectively listening because that'll make you into a person that is empathetic but here's one thing that i'll tell you with regard to being empathetic that we can all focus on make great eye contact and keep this in mind a lot of people don't actually make eye contact. They look just just like, I mean, mm, mm, millimeters above your eyes. I want you to look directly into people's eyes because people know when that happens. It's crazy. The dynamic of a conversation can change when you decide to make real eye contact. And then there needs to be some times in the conversation where you intentionally put yourself in their shoes and where you intentionally ask yourself the question, you've got this conversation running in the back of your head, what would it be like to be them right now? What must they be feeling right now? What would I be going through if I was in their position right now? Because what they will experience by you starting to internalize what it feels like to be in their position is empathy. And empathy is the type of thing that can dramatically improve the quality and caliber and effectiveness of a relationship. So we need to be people that are empathetic. The other thing I'll say on this is remember, you're not just looking at a body, you're looking at a soul. And that's a pretty crazy idea, but it's something that we all believe, right? People have souls and we don't exactly know what it is, but there's this part of something that is way more than just this body that's filled with like 80% water and blood and guts and all that, right? Ugh, gruesome, right? But it's like, you're more than that. And when I look in your eyes and remember that, it changes the tone of our conversation. Okay, and then finally, they need to be fun. Uh, Listen, if you have an hour coaching conversation with someone, we've got to find some laughter. We've got to find some reprieve. We've got to be able to laugh at ourselves. You've got to challenge people to not take themselves too seriously. You've got to get people joking. And this is a great way to start the relationship. I almost hesitated to put this quality last because in some ways, it would be best if you start with fun. And and uh, there's a great line and I don't even know where it was. I just read it once and it was just kind of the idea of like laughter is one of those things that will open the gateway to all the other things. If you can get people laughing, it's crazy. You could almost take them wherever they want to go. I think John Maxwell is just one of the most brilliant at this, right? If you watch him, man, if that guy gets on a stage, if you watch him as a speaker, go pull up a YouTube video, man, first two minutes, people are already laughing. And then man, he has the ability to take that crowd, that audience, those people, wherever he wants to take them. And because he opened their emotions, he opened their sensibilities with laughter. He got them smiling. Uh, Scientifically, dopamine was released, serotonin was released. Those are the pleasure hormones. And then it's like, okay, now we can talk about hard truth because we're in a posture that we can deal with it. So don't Get so intentional and results-focused and business-oriented and formal that you can not have some fun. Okay, so we said that if you're going to be focused on leadership, you need to be intentional about relationship. And specifically in the context of coaching, we need to be people that have coaching conversations that are holistic, that are context-sensitive, that are intentional, that are characterized by a commitment to listening, that are empathetic, and that are fun. I hope this is helpful for you. The next quality of coaching that we're going to walk into is curious. And we're going to go deeper into what it means to ask and formulate great questions to elicit the answers that can actually help someone. So. I hope that this is helpful for you. If you do want more content like this, every Wednesday we send uh, an email called Worth It Wednesday. That's because I think most email isn't worth it. So we try to send out one that is. It's a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. You can sign up for that with the link that's in the show notes. Hey, remember, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. My strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go, let's go, let's go. (laughs) Let's go.